This is IFS Talks, an audio series to deepen connection with the internal family systems model through conversations with lead trainers, authors, practitioners, and users. Today on IFS Talks, we're speaking with Frank Anderson. Frank Anderson began his journey by earning his bachelor's degree in chemistry from the University of Illinois in 1985, followed by his MD from Rush University Medical School in 1989. He completed his residency in psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. After graduation, he stayed on as a clinical instructor at Harvard, working as a staff psychiatrist at the Trauma Center at the Justice Resource Institute under the direction of Besser van der Kolk. In 1994, Frank launched his private practice centered on the treatment of trauma, including single incident trauma, complex trauma, dissociative identity disorder, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Frank also specializes in the treatment of ADHD, autism spectrum disorders, and LGBTQ issues. Frank's professional focus expanded in 2004 after he met his mentor and friend, Richard Schwartz. From there, Frank learned to integrate internal family systems therapy into his passion for psychopharmacology, neurobiology, and trauma therapy. He teaches IFS trauma, and neuroscience at a five-day intensive training for therapists. Frank is also the former chairman of the Foundation for Self-Leadership, a nonprofit organization dedicated to advancing IFS via research, scholarships, and outreach. Frank continues to provide consultation, individual therapy, and couples therapy at his office in Concord, Massachusetts. Additionally, he maintains an active career as a speaker, teacher, consultant, writer, and researcher, often conducting seminars, workshops, and training programs. He also remains affiliated with the IFS Institute and Trauma Center at the Justice Institute. Thank you so much for being here today, Frank. Thanks for having us. It's great to be here. Thank you, Frank, for having us. This is a huge and long bio you are doing so much frank how how is it to hear this bio to you what parts come up that's a very good question annabelle sometimes when i listen to stuff like that i say oh my gosh that's amazing or holy cow that's impressive and then i think but that's just me um so um it's kind of it's a bit overwhelming and you know i just um was on a board meeting call with the Foundation for Self-Leadership just to kind of finish and wrap up my um, responsibilities there. And consistently, they talked about my energy and my enthusiasm and is one of the things that they loved about me. And I just felt so seen and known in that moment. And, you know, my bio really kind of is a reflection of who I am as a person. So listening to that, as much as it's overwhelming in some ways, it also is reflective of me. I'm someone with a lot of energy, a lot of passion, and a lot of joy, and I love to do a lot of things. Um, so it's nice to be seen and reflected in that way. And I think the older I get, the more um, comfortable I get with just owning that space within myself and you know, sending it out to the world in that way. So mostly it feels good. Yeah, it's wonderful to be with you. 
you can feel that energy. You, Frank, also, you published a lot, especially in IFS. You have published two chapters. One that I really enjoyed so much, who's taking what in connecting neuroscience, psychopharmacology, and internal family systems for trauma on this wonderful book, New Dimensions. And another one, what IFS offers to the treatment of trauma with Martha Sweezy on innovations and deliberations in IFS. And more recently, you uh, just wrote the Internal Family System Skills Training Manual, the trauma-informed treatment for anxiety, depression, PTSD, and substance abuse. And that one is having a very recent Spanish edition, I understood. Congratulations, it's wonderful. It's, the book is doing great, as much as I can understand. So tell us more about how, how did you come up so close to IFS? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting thing. I'll just speak a little bit about the writing aspect of my journey, and then I'll talk a little bit more about my okay. IFS journey, mm -hmm. um, a little bit backwards in that way. Never in my life did I think I'd be a writer. I'm, I'm very extroverted. I love talking to people. I love connecting with people. That's such a natural venue for me. And it was not until really that first chapter where I was approached to say, hey, you have something unique here around IFS and medications and psychopharmacology. Would you be interested in writing mm -hmm. a chapter? Mm -hmm. I thought, oh my goodness, I'm not a writer. I don't know how to do that. So You need to sit and get isolated. It's it, yeah, it's been a very interesting journey because you know the, it's to speak is different than to write. They are different skill sets. And I've, it's really a, been an evolution for me around writing that first chapter with Martha uh, or with Martha in that book. Um, and, um, that was a big accomplishment for me. I couldn't believe I could write a chapter. It was really, I had something to say. It was, she really helped in the editing to get, get it to the place that it was. Then we wrote that second chapter and then a book, like I just, this evolution of writing has been really striking and surprising to me. I'm in the midst of submitting my, uh, another book that I'm writing by myself on IFS and complex trauma. I'll be submitting that to the publisher within the next month or two. And for the last year, I've really enjoyed writing on my own. This will be solely my, my uh, adventure here of writing this next book on IFS and complex trauma. Oh, congratulations. Yes. Thank you. And I love it. Like I've, I've grown to love writing now in a way that's been very surprising to me. Um, it really informs your teaching. It informs your ideas and thinking, and it's a different skill set than speaking. So um, that's been a surprise for me is to become a writer. Um, and as you said, Annabelle, um, much to our pleasure and enjoyment, surprise, this IFS skills training manual, I think it's eight different languages now it's been translated in. So it's done incredibly well over throughout the world, mm -hmm. which is just amazing to me. You know, Turk in Turkey and Japan and China and Span and Spanish, Dutch, German. Like you mean the, the manual, the the skills. Training? Yes, oh, the manual is wow. being translated into all these different languages now, which is in, in a couple of years. It's it's in a very short time. Yeah, yeah. So I'm thrilled, I'm thrilled that it's gotten so successful, and it really does speak to the expansion of IFS throughout the world, you know, and, um, and it was a book that I think there was a, perf a certain niche of uh, how to, a very kind of clear, organized way of presenting the model. So I'm thrilled that it, um, with the success of the book and my writing, and, you know, we'll see what happens with this next book. 
um, which I'm excited about. I said to someone the other day, I love it so much. I hope other people do. I don't even care if they do or not, because I just have enjoyed writing this so much. So, you know, when you do what you love, that's kind of a home run um, in my view. Um, my my journey to IFS was a, is somewhat of an interesting one because originally in my career, um, I, was, um, I was doing my residency at Harvard Medical School and Bessel van der Kolk at the time had his trauma center housed in my residency program. So I met Bessel a long time ago and became the psychiatrist for the trauma center with Bessel years ago. I graduated my residency in 1992, as you've said. So for years, I've been working in trauma. Really, my whole career has been kind of trauma-focused. And it was in 2004, I believe, that um, Dick and I did a workshop together at Bessel's annual trauma conference. And just seeing him and hearing his workshop, I had one of those aha moments, honestly. It was like, wow, what this guy's doing is different. IFS offers something different in my experience. And I, you know met up with him, we had a drink together, and I just dove in full on in this IFS journey. That was 1994? 19, no, that was 2004. I'm sorry, oh, 2004. 2004. Yeah, that I, that I met Dick Schwartz and started doing that work with him. Um, and it was really kind of a perfect fit from my perspective with trauma, because up until that time, Trauma was about managing symptoms and making sure parts, especially DID or in that time, multiple personality disorder, you wanted to make sure parts worked well together. Dick, for me, introduced this idea of permanent healing or healing these wounds. That was a whole new concept at the time. So I was very intrigued by that. And I really dove in, like I said, full force, did level one, level two, level three. You know, I just was... um, really into it in a way that just fit for me with trauma beautifully. I have been trained in EMDR, been trained in sensory motor psychotherapy. Um, I was actually the psychiatrist for the first EMDR uh, EMDR Prozac study um, way back when um, with Francine Shapiro. So I've been exposed to a lot of different modalities. And there was something special and unique for me with regards to IFS. Um, so it's really changed my whole practice and way of working, you know, honestly. So you took, you took all the trainings? I understood well, yes, you took all the trainings. Quickly. <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> yes, I was one of those people, right? Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> yes, I did it. Yes, in one year, I did it. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Because it spoke to me so profoundly. Yeah. Wonderful. And what about the trauma? Why the trauma? The trauma is ju- just happened that you were with Bessel there at the Institute for Trauma? Or? Yeah, good question. Why trauma? Um, originally, originally, it was why trauma because I sat with all these people in my residency program who had chronic mental illnesses. So it was the institution okay. that I worked with they had, you had to be homeless with no insurance in order to get into the hospital. And you, most of those people, when I sat and talked to them, had horrific trauma histories, chronic mental illness with horrific trauma histories. And because it was a Harvard Harvard affiliated hospital, we had all these psychoanalysts teaching us how to do psychotherapy with the chronically mentally ill. 
So it was a very unique uh, training perspective. But honestly, lo and behold, as it is for many of us, the reason that I was so activated by working with these people with trauma histories was because of my own trauma history. My own trauma. You know, and it totally, I didn't know it at the time, Annabelle, but I certainly subsequently have realized that's why I was so affected and intrigued by uh, sitting with others with trauma histories was because of my own trauma history. Um, so that really, you know, got the spark yep. <laughs> activated. Yes. But, it, you know, it's so much about my own history and healing my own wounds and then being able to offer that to other people. It's our planet. It's our wounds. It's our trauma. It's, it's ours, the trauma. So it was there also to you. Yeah. It was always there. You know, my sister um, uh, was this, uh, diagnosed with bipolar disorder when she was 16 and I was in college. I was in college. So that was a big okay trauma in some ways for me to have that yeah, experience of, of my younger sister become psychotic and have these bipolar episodes. It can be scary, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that probably sent me into psychiatry, honestly. I was wondering, because you have a bachelor's in chemistry. That's right, that's right. Yeah, so something shifted, yeah. Yeah, when I was, I was in college when she had her first break, mm -hmm. and it was so... Um, traumatic for our family yes, of course. Um, and there was this part of me that's like I've got to save her I've got to rescue yeah. her because yeah. uh, I you know I love children love children and it would have been a natural fit for me to be a pediatrician honestly as I'm in medical school but with my sister's um, first break it really shifted my focus to psychiatry so that's how I got into psychiatry originally was through her um, episodes and then it shifted to being more about me um, my, and healing my own wounds. This is IFS Talks, an audio series to deepen connection with the internal family systems model. Could you please tell us a bit more about your journey into the mental health profession? How did you make the link? You are really great doing this link between psychiatry and psychotherapy. You do it in a very unique way. Yeah, it's very unusual, on, which is kind of surprising to me <laughs> for a psychiatrist to also be a psychotherapist. It is. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? There's not many people that I know that really do both. I have a couple of uh, dear friends that do both, but it, by and large, most psychiatrists do mostly medications in most mm -hmm. social workers or me mental health counselors or psychologists do the therapy. That never would have worked for me because of who I am. I'm a very social person. So sitting in an office all day and giving prescriptions would not have been fulfilling for me personally mm -hmm. because I just love connection so much. So um, that's one thing I'll say that it would have never worked for me to just be that science type of person. Although I do love neuroscience. I love all the biology. So I'm very interested in it. And also do some research also. Are you I've done research. Yeah, I've done research on trauma training. I've done research on psychotherapy in my residency program. So I'm inter I have that kind of research science mind. Yes. So I'm interested in it. Um, but I also love talking and connecting to people. And like I had said, um, my residency was unique because we were treating the chronically mentally ill with analysts as psychoanalysts as my supervisors. Mm -hmm. So they were teaching me how to do psychotherapy. It was a unique 
training experience, but it also was a perfect fit for who I am. And I'm, I'm somebody who kind of knows the science, but can digest it into easy, user-friendly ways. Okay. So I bridge the gap, you know what I mean, in a way that I think has been perfect for me because it fits who I am. And the, I think a lot of the field needs that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> blending of these two worlds. I think Dan Siegel does a great job of blending these two worlds, yes. for example. He's another person that I totally. you know, know and admire, that he can take the complex science and make it user-friendly. So, you know, Some people stay in the clouds in the science and can't bridge the gap. Mm -hmm. I, just, I think I happen to be one of those people that can do both. Yeah, to the benefit of, of all the trainees. I had, I had the uh, opportunity of taking your first trauma and neuroscience course mm. with Dick and I was so impressed at how easy it was to to take in some of the neuroscience and to understand how it works with parts. Um, would you be willing to talk a little bit about that today? Yeah, that's an interesting thing that, um, you know, at one point Dick had asked me, because he really had wanted a trauma training. There was no trauma training. They had level one training, level two trainings at the time were all multi-topic. And then there was level three. So he had said, Frank, would you be interested in writing a trauma curriculum? I said, sure. <laughs> Why not? You know? Um, and so I, it started this journey of, for me of like, okay, if I, I, I know about neuroscience for Basil Vanderkolk, I've been teaching the psychopharmacology the neurobiology of PTSD and dissociation at his conferences for years. So I had all that information and I thought, how am I going to apply this to the IFS model? So on my own, I really started integrating these two things. Like what's going on with parts? Where are parts located in the brain? How do these neural networks of PTSD and dissociation connect and relate to IFS and self-energy and protective parts? So it was just kind of this natural curiosity and nothing was written about this at all, you know? So I just kind of started reading books and picking pieces of what I've learned all along and what I found interesting, work of Louis Casolino, work of, um, I was going to say, um, <clears throat> Stephen Porges, but he wasn't even in the field at that time, honestly. Um, I, I was at the first conference that Bessel had Stephen Porges come to, but just these different people Joe Ledoux, for example, is a big somebody who works on um, the fear circuitry, Damasio. So I, was, I pulled together all these people who I'd admired in the neuroscience field, and I thought, well, this is how I think it relates to IFS, it relates to parts, it relates to managers versus firefighters. And I just kind of created this theory. It's really Frank's ideas. There's not tons of research yet on this. It's the way I've put things together mm -hmm. um, that makes sense to me. Um, so this is a lot of what's going to be written in this new book is just more of that in print, you know, the, the integration of the neuroscience and IFS. Now, with the addition of the foundation, that was the big one of the big charges of the foundation for self-leadership was to do research to prove some of this stuff. So that's a piece of what we did in the first trauma study. We did a trauma study to look at PTSD in IFS. So that is going to be hopefully published soon. It's been a very long journey for that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but just to kind of putting together some of my ideas of neuroscience, how I think it relates to the IFS model, 
and then starting to prove that so that we could get some validity to the model. Because like any model, um, it, uh, you need validity, you need proof. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody uh, said to me once when I started this research in IFS with the foundation, it'll take you 10 years to prove what you already know. And I thought, that's interesting. <laughs> it's a long journey, but it's kind of true. Like we know this model works. And, you know, I'm one of the people who started applying some neuroscience knowledge to it. And we're going to start testing it out to see um, if we're accurate or not. There are some key concepts like memory reconsolidation, for example, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I believe is, really does correlate with what happens in the IFS, mm-hmm. the burdening process. But we have to prove that. Mm-hmm. You know, I have this idea that parts live in the mind and they access and utilize neural networks in the brain Mm -hmm. to express themselves. Now that's an idea. We want to try to prove that. Mm -hmm. I pull that from Dan Siegel's mind brain combination. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's kind of taking what I've learned and try to apply it to the IFS model to the best um, way I can understand it at this point. And it's always in evolution. I'm always changing and expanding my thoughts and ideas around Mm -hmm how neuroscience fits with IFS. It's a huge challenge. Uh, one of our more difficult concepts to share with our students in psychology and psychotherapy is the concept of self. And uh, I believe that for you as a, a neuroscience interested uh, and, and researcher perspective, what is self for you? You, re- you referred to Damasio. Damasio also has one wonderful book on conscious and self, and he, he believes he found the place where self lives in our body. How is it? Yeah, I have a different view than that. I, and people ask me this question all the time. Where is self located? Yeah, exactly. Is it in the prefrontal cortex? Where is it? Is it in the parietal temporal junction? You know, is it deeper brain structures? Yes. And, you know, this has been one of those experiential kind of evolutions for me, honestly. And um, I teach this in the level two training that I talk about is the different dimensions of self-energy, because I don't think self-energy is one dimensional. I think it's multidimensional. And so when I experience self, whether it's connecting energetically with nature, connecting energetically with people Mm -hmm. that I'm in close proximity to, whether it's connecting spiritually to what's beyond all of us. Um, whether it's interpersonally within myself, I really see these different dimensions of self-energy. And the way my working model right now of that is that it's a a state of being, that it's, and I think of self as like this maximally integrative experience, that it maximally integrates neural networks in the body, it maximally integrates with energy in the environment, it maximally integrates with spirituality beyond us, and that it's this flow of movement through us. This is kind of the way I'm sitting with it now. And, you know, it may change over time, um, but it's, it's, and it's one of the things we're trying to prove. One of the research studies in the, in, 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 at the foundation is looking physiologically and hooking up people with EEG to kind of see what your brain looks like when you're in self-energy. Yeah, is it measurable? Exactly. We're, we're really trying to measure that. Um, I talked with Tanya Singer quite a bit, and she's a researcher from the Max Planck Institute in Germany. 
And when I was talking to her at lunch a couple of years back, she said, you know, Frank, it's interesting because I was telling her, I think it's maximally integrative around neural networks. She said, it might be the opposite. It might be the absence of neural networks, she said, because when she's brain, when she scans meditators who meditate for six to eight hours a day, their brain shuts off and there's nothing going on as opposed to activation. Mm -hmm. So that was a very interesting, oh, I wonder if, if it's the lack of activation of neural networks is when we access self-energy versus activating integrated neural networks, which I believe is in self, versus when parts are activated, I think they're activating dysregulated or unintegrated neural mm -hmm, networks. Mm -hmm. You know, so this is a working model that I have right now. And I really think the science will help us answer some of these questions because we don't really know yet one which one of these theories is is accurate or consistent with what shows up in brain scan. So it's much more um a flowing energy, a flowing state than some structure or place where we can go and find the self. Yeah, that's in my view. That's exactly, it's in my view, but it's also in my experience of self. Mm -hmm. So I'm using both to come up with a working hypothesis at this point that I'm hoping we'll be able to prove one way or another. Mm -hmm. Do you still say, I believe you said that there, there, there is a life crisis of theory of mind once we confuse ourselves with our parts? Well, yeah, the theory, it's interesting. Um, this is some of the work that comes out of Tanya Singer's work, I yeah. think is mm -hmm. what you're talking yes. about, the theory of, mind. theory of mind. And I really, I really, she did this big study um, in her resource project, um, looking at these different dimensions of um, the value of, of mindfulness, the value of compassion, mm -hmm. and the value of theory of mind. Mm -hmm which was an IFS component, really, because mm -hmm. Dick and I met Tanya in Iceland years ago at the Spirit of Humanity conference, and she got excited about IFS. She knows Tom Holmes. And so her theory of mind component of her study really had a lot to do with parts mm -hmm. and different people and different dyads learning and teaching people how to identify different parts of other people. Um, so there was all these dyadic experiences. And, you know, what she talked, what she showed is that we can actually teach people how to step outside of themselves and be able to see and understand and identify different aspects of different people, of different, of other people. <laughs> And that is, for me, there's huge implications to that <laughs> in our ever-complicated, divisive, polarized world yes, we live in, believe, right? Yes. Because that's not what's happening in the world today, in my view. We nope. are not, neither side, if you will, is very good at stepping outside of their selves and their views and being able to really see and appreciate what's happening with the other side, okay? This is what we teach and value in IFS internally, mm -hmm. is that we're always looking at the positive intention of every part. That's what separation and unblending affords you, right? We also need to do that as individual people um, in order to be able to separate from ourselves yep. and be able to see and value the good in others. 
Um, if you believe in self and you believe that it's all connected to source, this is what it is. We are all connected. And Tanya's research shows that there's a way to teach people how to do this. There's a way to train them. And I think if we can harness some of that and start teaching people how to be able to do that, mm -hmm. I think the world will be a different place. And I think IFS does that. I think it's really great for that, which is partly why I think it's expanding so dramatically throughout the world because we're starving for that. Absolutely. Right. The, the deep connection that comes at, from stepping outside of the polarization. That's exactly right. Internally and externally. It happens at every training. Exactly. That's right. That's right. So I'm curious, this is shifting a little bit, but with your work with um, in the intense trauma um, of your your clients who are homeless and without insurance, and then your background in psychopharmacology, I'm curious if you'll talk a little bit about working with parts, trauma, and medication. Um, Yes, that's, that was an interesting um, journey. And one of these, you know, in the way that Dick talks about the serendipity of the model and the way the model has organically unfolded for him over time, I would say very much consistently for me was this idea and way of working with meds and trauma and IFS, that it just kind of organically um, <clears throat> showed up for me. Originally, when I was the psychiatrist, as I mentioned, for the trauma center with Bessel van der Kolk, um, excuse me, but at the time, I was a straight white man who was working with predominantly not only females, patients, clients who were trauma, who had trauma histories. And so that kind of power differential was an awful setup for reenactments. Yeah. Okay. When you're the all-powerful white male psychiatrist is going to give a woman who's been violated, not only by men, but predominantly by men, pills to take in their body and tell them what's best for them. Mm -hmm. It created horrible situations quickly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I have to say, I quickly learned this is not going to work this way because that was really how my medical training was set up. You're the expert. You know what's best. You give these people what they should have because you have this knowledge. So I quickly said, there's going to be a different way to do this. Mm -hmm. Okay. And over time, I just, by trial and error, but just by hum being a human being who also started identifying with my own trauma history, who came out as gay and, you know, got out of this power differential, mm -hmm. said, you know, this is a we thing. You know, I'm a part of this group. Mm -hmm. I'm not the expert. Mm -hmm. And so I started working with people from a very equalitarian, you know, we're equals. I'll, I'll educate, you decide. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You're going to decide what to do. I'll help you do it. What is also so relieving, isn't it? Also what, Annabelle? Relieving, yeah. So relieving. Well, it was relieving for them and for me. Yeah, for you. You know, it just, mm -hmm. it, even the playing field all across the board, we worked together mm -hmm. on this journey. And I knew that most people with trauma history were violated and had their boundaries violated in some mm -hmm. way. And that giving meds could be another violation of that boundary. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to do it differently. And it became very collaborative. And then when I started learning IFS, 
I realized, oh my goodness, these parts have a huge role in medication decisions and nobody is asking them. Mm -hmm. And nobody ever did. Like, why doesn't a sleep medication work? Because nobody has ever asked the hypervigilant part if it was willing to take a sleep medicine. Mm-hmm. Okay. As a, as a psychiatrist, you treat the person as a whole, not as parts, but nobody's asking these polarizations that are inevitable with medications. For example, the desperate manager who's overworking and trying to please is exhausted and desperately wants help with Prozac mm-hmm. compared to the, you know, the reactive firefighting part who says, no way, I'm not going to take anything unless I'm in charge and in control. It's these inherent polarizations around meds that I started seeing all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I said, there's got to be a different way to do this. So I developed this way of working with parts and meds that's been really successful um, and been very helpful for my clients. Yes. You are describing something that um, it was IFS that could offer to describing world yes that's exactly right yeah. and many of them it's hard to teach that group unfortunately <laughs> you know they're not as interested in learning this this way yeah. and i don't want to blame them in any way you know being a psychiatrist who's primarily a med person you get 15 minutes if you're mm-hmm. lucky yep during your med appointment okay so it's not there's not a lot of time to be able to do this kind of work that I'm talking about. And so I've taught a lot of therapists this. They say, you guys spend more time with your clients. You have 50 minutes if you're lucky. Yes. Spend the time and explore which parts want which meds, which parts are okay with which meds. Yes. There's a lot of work that can be done from the therapist's perspective without even knowing what kind of med does what biologically, but getting the system on board together in a unified way to take medications mm-hmm. that makes a huge difference in and of itself yes and therapists can do that and you get two in two in one you get a much more respectable way of doing psychiatry and also you get more effective work with your clients i mean became much more effective the the prescriptions and and the work you do yeah you know it's interesting annabelle there's no compliance issues Because I'm not making them yes. take anything. <laughs> They're taking what they want to take. Like, really, like, you know, how many times I've seen people, oh, I lost my prescription. Yes. I couldn't find it. Oh, I get all these side effects. You know, parts know how to read the internet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they do. Parts go online, they read and they come up with all these side effects and they say all these reasons why the meds don't work. Yes. Nobody's that nobody was asking them. So, you know, it is different for everybody involved. It sounds like you have a lot of self when it comes to being with people around medication. I find, you know, in my own system as a therapist, I I have agendaed parts around medication. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, working with, with my own parts, I, I find can be really hard because I've got a strong opinions and feelings and concerns. And um, so being balanced around meds is, is, it's one of the things I teach a lot. It is exactly right because, and I say this to therapists and not only prescribers, but therapists, 
you have to work. That's the last kind of component of my model around working with meds is work with your own parts around medications. Okay. Therapists or prescribers will say, I'm a failure as a therapist if my client needs meds. Mm-hmm. Or, oh my gosh, you're, you're so symptomatic. Please take a damn pill so we can get some work right. done. Okay. Or any, any range. I hate medicines. I don't like to take anything foreign chemicals in my body. I only like to smoke pot because it's natural. Do you know what I mean? Like people have a whole range of responses as therapists and prescribers that influence our clients mm-hmm. because our clients can feel very differently around meds than we do. And you really have to check yourself at the door. You know, I have some to say, this is not about me and my parts. This is about my client and their parts and supporting their system. Because we all have views and biases around medicines, pro and con. Mm -hmm. And you have to work with them. Are you noticing noticing some curiosity from your professional community, the psychiatrists, the prescribers, to opening open to these perspectives? More so. As, as IFS becomes more well-known, mm-hmm. there's definitely more of an interest. And, you know, I tried years ago to submit these workshop proposals to, like, the American Psychiatric Association. Good. Well done. They weren't interested. However, I will say that this community is really growing and expanding. And as you know, or may be aware, last year at the annual conference, Dick did this whole pre plenary workshop on medical issues in IFS. I heard about so that. So there's a grow there really is a growing community within the traditional medical model of looking at different ways to work. So mm-hmm. my sense is as we move forward that we will that this group will be more interested because it is a different way of working and it is more effective. Absolutely. Yes. Are you researching about these, specifically the effectiveness of prescribing using? Yeah, I'm not doing any research on that at this point. You know, it's interesting. Um, it's always complex, of course. Yeah, and it's at some point, maybe it's on the list. Um, I will say something about what I am moving toward and interested in in regards to medications in a minute. But, you know, one thing that's always intrigued me is that there's a 30, a consistent percentage 34 or 33% placebo response in every single medication trial. Like, what is that? What is that? Like if, if sugar or parts Mm -hmm. can make a med work, Mm -hmm. why can't parts block meds? Like for me, it makes total sense that it's totally aligned. It hasn't been researched yet. (laughs) What I will say for me, I believe, especially as it relates to trauma, the next frontier is all these psychedelics. I was going to ask you. Yeah. Okay. okay. So that's where I really think, that's where I would say some of my interest is heading. And that's where I really think there's a, there will be a huge breakthrough in treating trauma and PTSD and dissociation with these psychedelic medicines. Now, I'm also going to say it's very complicated and I'm very mixed about this field as it evolves because there's a huge group of people that are using these meds with the wrong intention to get high, to get away from their feelings, to just have a fun hallucinatory experience. And there's a group of people that are very thoughtful and being very wise and diligent who know how to treat trauma and are using these in a very effective, profound way for some of our more severely traumatized people 
in a way that I think we're seeing dramatic uh, results and improvements. So it's, it's a mixed field at this point. You know, for those of you who are old enough and aware, a lot of these meds were legal once upon a time, and then the FDA shut them all down. So there's this resurgence of these psychedelics that are coming out. And if we're, if we're smart about it, and I think there's a group that is very smart about it, Michael Mithofer is yep. one of them. He, him and I did level one training together. Oh, Michael and I were, did our, our level one training. Tony Herbine Blank was our lead trainer years ago. Oh, he has an IFS background. He totally does. Nice. Him and I are you know, colleagues and friends in that way. He's done a really remarkable job. I just finished last month in my office a, a training on ketamine-assisted psychotherapy. So we had trained 25 people for ketamine. I think psilocybin is another one. I think um, cannabis is another one. Ayahuasca. We're going to see the range of differences in the treatments because they're not all doing the same things. They're all different medicines. So we're going to learn the differences between what ketamine does for trauma versus what MDMA does for trauma, for example. Very interesting. And so I think the field is going to evolve in a, in a profound way as long as we stay thoughtful and true. Um, so I, th I think that's a whole new exciting frontier. It's one of the things that I'm going to be hopefully involved with is, in, is a new role that I have. Um, that I'll be announcing shortly with the IFS Institute. As I left the foundation, I'm now going to be um, working more formally with the IFS Institute. And that's one of the projects that I hope to be working on uh, for them is this psychedelic-assisted IFS therapy. Fantastic. That's good news. Frank, you are um, a trainer for IFS Institute now for how long? For maybe 10 years or more? Uh, let's see. Yeah, maybe 10 years. It's probably, uh, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't even know. I'm trying to think, Annabelle. It's been a while. Yes. My question is, how do you enjoy the trainings, the, IF, the Institute trainings, IFS Institute trainings, and what do you enjoy the best in those trainings? Oh, I love doing, I have to say, I love doing them. Um, I love doing them. Um, five, to be able to, let's see, what do I love the best about them? I love to see the transformation in participants within five days. Yeah. It's one it's of the intense. things that consistently mm -hmm. happens to me. You know, I, Dick and I have specifically tried to make this trauma training work on your mm -hmm. personal stuff. Every, in my view, everybody has a trauma history. Mm -hmm. Nobody's excluded. And so it's an opportunity to work on your part. So we really try to create an environment in that trauma training that really allows people to do personal work. There's this learn how to do the model, learn how to do therapy, and do your personal work. And I just love seeing the transformation of people in five days when they're really doing their own work and healing their own wounds. So that's so rewarding for me. Mm -hmm. um, I love the sense of community that gets uh, created when we do these trainings like it, you you be, you become close with people you become vulnerable with mm -hmm. them we have an amazing i'm so fortunate and i'm humbled with the level of assistant program assistants that i have that are interested to work with me mm -hmm. in this trauma training mm -hmm. they are just world class mm -hmm. they are so talented mm -hmm. and i just love i mean that only makes this training so much more rich cuz the skill level 
of the of the program assistance is is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So we create this amazing environment to give people an opportunity to do some of the most painful work that they've ever had to encounter. And that is, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool to be a part of, I have to say. You enjoy it, the, the whole set. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's, and each group is different. Each group is different, you know, and, and I, can't, I can't keep up with it. You know, this is a, uh, a burden of riches because I'm asked all the time to do these trainings all over the world now. And I just don't have enough weeks <laughs> in the year to be able to accommodate everyone. So it's, it's, it's having an impact. And I know this is true for most of all the other IFS trainings too, not just the neuroscience training, obviously, obviously. but for all of them, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're hitting people in an important way, mm -hmm. which I'm grateful for. Mm -hmm. We were talking before we started the interview about you um, beginning to teach around parenting. And so it, that's a, a training for people to look forward to in the future. Yeah, it's funny. Um, that's another one of those organic coming from within passions of mine, mm. <laughs> becoming a parent. Um, um, I'll say a couple things about that. Just like my, you know, passion for trauma is rooted in my own personal experience. So is my passion for IFS and parenting rooted in my own personal experience. And I will tell you, I forget this sometimes. Um, I was a psychiatrist at the trauma center for a long time. And after I saw Dick Schwartz, I had a young baby. Uh, so my first son was born around that time. And I, remember getting so triggered around what having being a parent oh yeah of course <laughs> you know and it is really what shot me into my own ifs therapy was really the way i got triggered and activated so profoundly being a parent so i was i was determined to not transgenerationally repeat mm -hmm. anything i experienced mm -hmm. and it really w did motivate me um, to go into IFS. And, you know, I have, in a, hum in a humbling kind of way, I have grown the most as a human being because of my role as a parent. Wow. Um, nothing has brought me to the places that I've been and to the growth that I have experienced other than being a parent. So it's just this natural, passionate place for me, you know, and you can read so many parenting books and magazines and they're about the kid. And I just am like, no, we're missing the boat here. <laughs> this is all about the parents and the way they get triggered mm -hmm. and the way they lose the parent frame and the way they do not become the parent the child needs because of their history mm -hmm. and their triggers. Mm -hmm. And that's really the whole focus of the training in a nutshell mm -hmm. is really exploring doing your own work so that you... I talk about the parent self, which is different than self-energy. Um, that's one of the things I teach in this curriculum as to how do you clear yourself in that parent kind of way to really become the parent the child needs, not the child the parent wants or not the child the parent thinks it should be. There's so much that gets in the way of clearing that space okay. for us to be able to help these kids evolve into their natural mm -hmm. aligned selves. Mm -hmm. 
So that's for me a lot of the passion I have around um, this parenting curriculum, and I'm very, you know, it's it's like it is really the next dimension for me in the IFS community. And so is spirituality, by the way. That's the third dimension for me because I've grown so much spiritually in um, my IFS journey that I hope to continue to teach all of those, trauma, parenting, and spirituality eventually. Did you have a spiritual inclination before IFS? No, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> you know what? Cool. It's interesting you say that. You know, I was a, a, a Harvard science guy. Like, yeah, you know, that is not that and no. spirituality don't necessarily go hand in hand. <laughs> However, I will say that if I look back, there was always these moments and inklings of yes, yes, yes. But I, I think I just kind of pushed it aside, mm. and my smart intellectual parts took over. Really. Um, and I can say that my husband has really brought that dimension to me in my life. He's mm-hmm. very spiritual. And then finding IFS, it was just a beautiful, perfect fit. So I have really expanded my spiritual awareness um, and integrated it and incorporated it into my clinical work on a daily basis now. Because for I, IFS is such a complete model that includes spirituality. If you're open to that. If you're not, it's really okay, um, but it's something that is was just a perfect alignment. Um, was the was you know my personal relationship with my husband, and then the way it fits with my work in IFS. I really love to hear about the personal overlap with the professional work that you do. Um, it's such a an into a whole integration of who you are, doing what you love. Just it feels really heart opening to hear it. Well, thank you. It's I, I really, it, I, you know, and and it's because I've done so much of my own work yeah. that I'm able to be cleared and more aligned than I've ever been. You know, so it really is a testament to IFS and my my personal work that allows me to integrate and be aligned in this way, and it's nice to. It's nice for me that people can see and feel that from me, mm-hmm. and I just feel honored to be able to bring that to the people that I touch. So if they can also have that, that's a that's a win win from my perspective. There's so much love in you towards people and the world, isn't it? It's beautiful to see. Yeah, it's beautiful to see. Well, thank you. Yeah, I feel it. I feel it, and I love. I that's a that's that's a great job to have spreading love. Oh. <laughs> Sign me up for that one, right? <laughs> I, I have yeah. often said, if I could bring more love and compassion to the world, I'll be happy. Wonderful, and I, I kind of feel that way. Mm. Frank, the IFS model is is exploding, as you know. Uh, are there some concerns and wishes for the future on what concerns IFS for you? Yes. Um, good. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, I do have a lot of concerns about that, <laughs> um, actually. And it's one of the reasons that I w- really had a desire. And I'm grateful that the Institute is, is interested in me working more formally with them, because it's one of the things um, that I hope to help with as this model expands in the way that it is, which is really, truly wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a real risk of diluting the model 
of people taking it and using it in ways that are mm-hmm. maybe not helpful, that are not true and aligned to what the model really yeah. is. You know, I, as I told you, I was the, um, the psychiatrist for that EMDR Prozac study early on. You know, I was one of the first people to be trained in EMDR because Francine came over and trained us so we could do this study for her, mm-hmm. Francine Shapiro. So, and I saw the way EMDR evolved. And people took it and made it their own. And, it, and, you know, they did a pretty good job with it. But I see what's happening to the model. Like when I look, sometimes I go to social media yep. and I see who's doing what. Yes. And mm-hmm. who's calling themselves what or who's trying to, excuse me, take the model and make it their own. I get concerned about that. I get concerned about people doing a two-day workshop with Frank Anderson and then saying they're an IFS expert. Because that is not the case. Yes. <laughs> like that's not that's how it works, works. Yes. right? And that's and I don't think we have control over what everybody does, you know. So I'm concerned about that. And one of the things that I'm um, hopefully will be help working with the institute on and helping the institute is that at least we can start endorsing um, programs and workshops that people are doing in a way that we can give it a stamp of approval from the IFS Institute that we can start um, start endorsing the integrity of the model yeah. um, so that people can use it in a thoughtful yes. um, way that's helpful because, you know, it taken in the wrong hands, it can be harmful, you know, especially when we start bringing this to the general public. This is one of my concerns. And I've been talking to Dick and John about this. You know, when we have... Um, lawyers or um, massage therapists or um, pediatricians doing IFS or teachers, Mm -hmm. you know, that's one thing to work with protective parts. It's another thing to heal traumatic wounds. Mm -hmm. And those traumatic wounds do come up for people. Mm -hmm. Yes, I can go very deep. If you're a lawyer or whatever, and I don't need to single out any profession, I'm just saying any profession that has not learned how to deal with vulnerability in a safe, healthy way, there's a risk Mm -hmm. of harm Mm -hmm. that's there. And I think we need to be very thoughtful about how we maneuver Mm -hmm. as this expands in a way that's really wonderful and beneficial to the world. So I think, again, it's holding both sides of those things that feels very important to me. That makes a lot of sense, especially at this juncture. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Frank, it's, it's always a joy to be to sit with you and I would like to invite you to sit again maybe to focus on your parental curriculum and I'm saying well yeah and 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 discover about that but by now we have to thank you so much for having us and uh, we hope that we can keep meeting and sharing this model and our work and our lives and hopefully in Lisbon, you are coming, hopefully, to Lisbon in June. I am coming to Lisbon in June for the first international IFS conference. I'll be, I think I'm speaking on Saturday, I, I believe, I'm not quite sure. Yes, it's on Saturday, yes. I'm also very pleased and honored to be here and to have been asked to be a part of this. And I too love uh, our connection and hope and know it will continue. Um, as we move as we move forward with the expansion of IFS all throughout the world. Yeah, thank you so much. And thanks for all that you do. Yes. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. 
This was an IFS Talks episode, an audio series to deepen connections with the internal family systems model through conversations with lead trainers, authors, practitioners, and users.